From an Iraq war cover-up to towns ravaged by opioids to the roots of our modern immigration crisis, Embedded explores what's been sealed off and undisclosed. NPR's original investigative podcast reveals why these stories and the people behind them matter. Listen to the Embedded podcast only from NPR. The race to become Wichita's next mayor. I'm Tom Shine, and welcome to The Range. Support for The Range comes from McCowan Gordon Construction, Fidelity Bank, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Coming up, a new museum exhibit honors the state's black aviation pioneers. It shows where we have come from and where we are going. But first... The race to become Wichita's next mayor is beginning to heat up as the August primary approaches. Here to talk about who's running this year and some of the key issues the candidates will face is Kylie Cameron, KMUW City Hall reporter. Hi, Tom. So let's start with the easy one. Who's running for mayor? So we have a crowded field of candidates this year. We have the current mayor, Brandon Whipple, who was elected in 2019. We also have current city council member for Northwest Wichita, Brian Fry, running former TV reporter Lily Wu. This is her first run for office. And then you also have other candidates like Save Century 2 founder Celeste Reset and former council member Jared Cerullo, as well as several lesser-known candidates running. What are some of the key issues all of those candidates will have to address if they're elected mayor? The biggest one is going to be that the city council is looking at a multi-million dollar deficit in this coming year. The outlook is improving. They're looking at about $15 million deficit next year, although estimates are improving, but then it's likely to grow in the years after that. So cuts are going to have to be made in certain departments. They're also going to be carrying out recommendations from the Jensen Hughes report, which looked into the Wichita Police Department. That report was ordered after some racist and violent text messages were made public between law enforcement. The city council will also have to continue to balance the city's role in private development and public interest, particularly in the downtown and riverfront areas. And you're also going to be looking at lots of other issues, including addressing homelessness, mental health response, and everyday issues that affect Wichitans. Under our form of city government, the mayor is just one of seven votes on the city council. How might the mayor's race affect the makeup of the council going forward? This could very likely change the voting makeup of the council. It's nonpartisan, so they're not supposed to be Democrat and Republican. But right now you have a 4-3 majority that sides with the current mayor, Brandon Whipple. Depending on who wins this year's election, that could likely change that majority. There's also three other spots up for election on the city council, which could also decide how the council will vote in the coming years. So while the outcome of the mayor and city council races can change that voting makeup, Wichita State political scientist Neil Allen says the mayor also influences the council's overall agenda. Even though Wichita's mayor is weaker than most city mayors, they still have a substantial influence because they are one vote of seven on the city council, and also they have the biggest platform and megaphone for setting the agenda for now and future administrations. The mayoral primary is on Tuesday, August 1st. The top two candidates will advance to the general election on November 7th. 
Thanks, Kylie. No problem. To read more about the candidates and where they stand on the key issues, go to KMUW.org. Harold Miller was the first black air traffic controller at Wichita's Mid-Continent Airport in the 1970s. The story of his career, and of other black aviation pioneers, are part of the Rip Gooch Black Aviators exhibit at the Kansas Aviation Museum. For this month's In the Mix, Carl Eccles talks with Miller about his life in aviation. Harold Miller smiles as museum director Ben Salceda reconnects Miller to a plaque of his accomplishments from years ago. We're working to update information so that way we tell the story as accurately as you would like. Uh, So this is just a little bit, we're going to do a complete change up of how it's presented. Yeah, I was a controller for 20 years and two months, and uh, I retired at the age of 53. I mean, you could do it at 55, so uh, I did retire, and it was a great experience for me. I never tried anything like that, and so I had to go through some hoops to get in that, and, and I did that. Did that, indeed. Miller says being an air traffic controller was intriguing. And it was stressful. I'm not going to tell you it wasn't stressful. Because at that academy, they told us that we would teach you in nine weeks where college would take four years for you to learn. And after the academy, when Miller returned to Wichita... I learned one thing right away, that uh, there was nobody like me there. There had never been anybody like me that actively controlled aircraft. No other black people. And the chief, Miller says, wasn't interested. He just plain didn't want me to be there, so he tried to discourage me. But I wouldn't be discouraged. The deputy chief talked to Miller while shuffling papers. And he said, we expect you to come in being neat because this is a professional organization. And I said, that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. But when he finally looked up and he saw me, he just stopped me and said, uh, do you dress like this all the time? How were you dressed? Professionally. Well, how do you think, you know, because, I mean, it's such a stressful job, and you, you were there for 20 years. What kept you going? Well, my wife <laughs> and my family, and the fact that I was able to advance, you know. Advance to supervisor, and he also recruited more people of color. I think it was like uh, eight, two women, and six other guys. And it was only two of them that didn't make it. But the two women did great, and the other four guys did great. And they advanced. What does this new exhibit mean to you? A lot, because it shows where we have come from and where we are going, you know. It just feels me when the people don't expect you to do what you feel like you can do if you're given the opportunity. And then when you're given that opportunity, you take advantage of it and you do it. That makes me feel good. i never forget what James Brown, the singer, said. Open the door and I'll get it myself. All I want is the opportunity. And that works. Thank you, Mr. Miller. You bet. I don't want nobody to give me nothing. And one last thing. Work crews began tearing down Cessna Stadium this week, and as bad as Wichita State football was over the years, and it was pretty bad, it's hard not to be a bit sentimental. 
The Shockers began playing football at the site in 1946. The facility was originally named Veterans Stadium, in honor of service members from Sedgwick County who served in World War II. The last WSU game there was in 1986. The Shockers lost. A multi-year renovation project will include tearing down both grandstands. Seating will be reduced by about half to 13,000. There will be improvements to the track, which hosts thousands of athletes every May for the state high school meet. And there are plans to widen the playing field to accommodate a soccer pitch. Who knows? Maybe football will return to Cessna Stadium after all. Thanks for joining us on The Range. Our producers for this week's show are Carly Cooper, Beth Goulet, and Jonathan Huber. Our digital producer is Hugo Fan, and Torn Anderson composed our theme music. The executive producer of The Range is Fletcher Powell. I'm Tom Shine, and this is KMUW, NPR for Wichita.